You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. Well, my name is Walter. I'm one of the pastors here at Holmes Avenue. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Isn't this an incredible day? We have a full room. We're celebrating God's grace and mercy to us this year. And what a beautiful thing to celebrate. And I just love, as, as Pastor Nate was sharing, just the obstacles and challenges that we've dealt with to get to this point this year. We've had to see God move in such a miraculous way. We've really experienced times of, of doubt, of fear, of concern, wondering, is this going to happen? Is this going to be like we planned? You know, and as we look at this, I, I think we're reminded of the realities that we see in Psalm 62 that we've all experienced desperation. We've all experienced desperation. And I can tell you many times in this process of moving forward with Charleston Malingo, we've asked the question, is this going to happen? Is this going to work? We have been desperate. And in our own lives, we've experienced this in a deep personal way. You know, when I was in high school, we played a couple of different sports and we had a coach that was always fond of saying that we were going to run until he was tired. Now, for whatever reason, coach would not pick a nice, cool fall day to have us run. He'd pick a day like today where it's brutally hot, where it is utterly miserable. And he would pull out one of those plastic lawn chairs and set it right down on the ground with a Diet Coke. And you would think to yourself, is he ever going to get tired? Like, is he being serious? And as we ran, we began to realize that Coach was indeed very serious. Coach was very serious that we were going to run until he got tired. And in those moments, we were quite desperate. And this was before the days of everybody having smartphones. And so we're running and we're asking, does anyone know how to fake a heart attack? We're running. Does anybody have asthma? Could this be a good time for it to flare up? Anyone want to break a leg? Take one for the team. we'll, We'll be okay with this. I mean, we were truly desperate. Now, when you think of your own life, you've had moments where you too have felt desperate. Maybe it's some intense physical activity. Maybe it's a season of emotional or mental strain. We've all experienced moments in our lives where we've truly been desperate and we've wondered, where is our relief going to come from? Is there any hope to be found in these moments? Where is there going to be rest and peace? Today, as we look at Psalm 62, we're going to see David writing about his search for rest and peace in the midst of a desperate time. David's a man, if you know his history, he's experienced so many difficult moments, hard times in the midst of his life. And he is searching yet again for God to provide hope, to provide rescue, to provide a change to his present situation. As we look at Psalm 62, I hope that you're taking notes and we're going to jump right into the text here, but I want you to write down this first point. Desperation produces faith. Look with me at Psalm 62 verses 1 through 4. The text will be on the screen as well. Verse 1, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. 
How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. You see, desperation produces faith for us. We enter into the psalm with David making a proclamation over his pain. And for context, we're not really sure why David is writing this psalm. We're not sure what moment of desperation, of difficulty in his life he's encountering. But we know that he has experienced a lot of desperate moments in his life. He's had moments where he's fought for his life against Saul. He's fought for his life against the enemies of Israel. We've seen that he has had his closest friends turn away from him. Even a son has rebelled against him and tried to cast him down from his rightful place as king. From all sides, he is being assailed. He's being attacked. He is being put down by those around him. Yet, from the very beginning of his story, David is committed He has committed himself to trust in God. He is proclaiming very clearly that he trusts God and he knows that his every action in this life is going to lead people to judge who God is, to judge God's character by the way he lives and acts. But David is yet again in a position of need, of desperation, of distress. And he's crying out to the Lord, Where is my help going to come from? You see, in this present moment, he tells us in verses 3 and 4, he's being attacked and condemned by those around him. He knows that he should trust God, but his faith feels like it is failing. He knows that he should trust God, and he knows that if he trusts God, he will see his faith strengthened, he can rest in him, but it is hard right now. People around him are proclaiming falsehoods. They're lying about him. They greet him with pleasure. But as soon as his back is turned, they're proclaiming their lies about him once again. David has nowhere to turn. There's no one he can trust. Everyone has fallen away from him. And yet again, he is alone and he has no one on this earth that he can turn to for help. He's desperate, he's broken. He's suffering. He's trying to find peace and rest in this life. Yet in this moment of desperation, the Lord meets him and begins to renew, to restore his faith. I I don't know where you are in your journey with God today, but I think if we're being honest with one another, we can really empathize with David right now. You've had a time in your life where you've been beaten down by circumstances, things out of your control, maybe the consequences of your action, but these things have come spiraling down upon you and you're just wondering, can it get any worse? Maybe the next question is, can it get any better? Is there any hope for me? You've been condemned by those around you. No matter who you are, where you've been, you've had people gossip about you and lie. You've experienced that sting of someone welcoming you, yet lying, offering falsehoods about you when your back is turned. You've been at the end of your rope. You're suffering. 
your burden, and you just don't know where to go or who to cling to. You see, in these moments, in these moments, our desperation for those that are in Christ is producing a peculiar kind of faith in God Himself. A particular kind of faith in God. You see, David's response to this time of desperation, he is going to call out to God and to God alone. He's desperate. He's broken. And four times in this psalm, he proclaims very clearly that God alone is the one who is going to bring restoration to his soul. God alone is the one who is going to bring hope and rest and peace in this life. God alone is the one who can restore him. See, David is preaching the gospel to himself. He's reminding himself that the surest balm to a wounded soul is not friendship, is not affection and tenderness, is not anything of this world, but only the things that God can give to His people. He's saying the only thing that can restore my soul, that can give me rest, that can give me peace, is the very presence of God in this time of turmoil and distress. If David could speak to us from the grave, he would proclaim he's tried it all in his life. He has pursued anything and everything to find peace, to find rest. He'll tell you he's tried power. He was the most powerful man in the world. He's tried women. He's had them all. He has tried money because he is incredibly wealthy. He has tried everything. And what has happened? Every time, every one of these things has let him down. And he's been left wanting and desperate yet again. But he reminds us, there is one thing that has not failed him. There is one thing that has never stopped loving him. There is one thing that has never stopped pursuing and restoring his soul. And that is God alone. You see, his desperation is bringing him to a place where he must place his faith in God alone. He must believe that God and God only will see him through to the end. In David's life, we we do see evidence that God indeed did see him through to the end. You see, David dies as an old man in the presence of Solomon and some of his friends. And as he passes, he offers some words to him in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. You see, David said to Solomon, his son... Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. You see, David, on his deathbed, could have said many things to Solomon could have said many words to his people, but what did he choose to say? He proclaimed to them that in times of desperation, in times of good, in times of hardship, in times of abundance, He, the Lord, will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. He will be with you, as Jesus says, to the end of the age. You see, David, in this place of desperation, of turmoil, of suffering, says, I have to cling to the one thing that will give me life, and that is God and God alone. 
And so when we are in moments of desperation, of hardship, of trial and tribulation, those moments are hard, yes. We won't make light of them. But we recognize the Lord is working and shaping something in us to produce faith and trust in Him. And so in our seasons of desperation, of pain, of suffering, of trials, we should rest easy in this faith-building truth that God is not going to abandon us until our work for Him is finished. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He will be with us always. And so in our time of desperation, we look to this truth that God will not abandon us and that produces faith in us. That stirs our soul up for the things of the Lord. That leads us to call to Him, to go to Him eagerly, desiring Him to move and work in our lives. And as that desperation produces faith, that faith then produces trust in Him. Look with me at the following verses. Verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. David, in a way that's very different than many of the biblical authors, he just exposes his heart to us. He lets us see deeply into the nitty-gritty challenges of his life. And he's laying out his despair, and he's ultimately calling upon his soul to rest in the promises of God. He's preaching the gospel to himself. His faith has been encouraged. He's trying to trust in the Lord, and he is reminding himself, this is the God who has said that he will never forsake me. You see, he understands that his hope, it rests in these promises that God has made to his people. Consider just a few of these promises that he has said to him. He says that I will never leave you or forsake you. He says that all these things, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He says that my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. These are just a few samplings of the promises made by God to his people, to the church. And David is reminding himself of all the things that God has done and all the things he will do. Remember David's story. He's a lowly shepherd's boy. And one day, a prophet of God comes to him and says, you are going to be the king of Israel. Maybe David laughed in his face, but then look where he is now. He remembers the promises of God that have been fulfilled and worked out in his life. He remembers the things the Lord has done for him. He says, soul, I don't know how you talk to yourself, but I think David would say, soul, rest. 
Trust in God and God alone. As we look at that reality in our lives, we see our faith be stirred and we're trying to trust in the promises of God. We've all been there. We've all been there just like David. We're trying to anchor ourselves in this hope that God has before us. But if we can be honest with one another, it can be hard. It can be really hard in the difficult moments to remind yourself to set our gaze upon the promises of the Lord and to say that no matter what happens, the Lord will see me through this. He will sustain me. He will comfort me. Circumstances are tough. Things are working against us. We're struggling, yet our hope should be grounded in the promises of God, knowing that if God has promised it, indeed, He will deliver it. You see, I know we've all experienced this type of distress and pain in our lives. I can tell you just from a few years ago when my mother passed away very unexpectedly, it, I felt like David, to be very honest with you. It was a time of distress of pain, of hardship. And in the quiet times and the days afterwards, I mean, I would give God the laundry list of things He could have done better. It's like if you, could, if you needed to take someone, like I can give you a list of people that you should take before her, right? Like there are lots of people who are not deserving of your, your grace or your mercy. Yet, I came through that challenging season because we serve a God who deeply understands our position of pain, our fear, and our doubt and sorrows. Hebrews chapter 4 just reads this. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect, pay close attention to this, has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is the kind of promise that David was clinging to. He knew that there was a Messiah coming. He knew there was going to be this man who would make a way for sin to be redeemed. He knew that someone would pay for the penalty of sin and shame and make things right between God and His people forever. David placed his faith in promises like this, knowing that he didn't know this Messiah, but he knew that He would come to exist He knew He would come to make a way where there was no way. He knew that He could trust in God because God had promised Him He would make all things right once again. You see, David's faith is weak right now, but his faith is being stirred and he's leaning in to trust in God. He's desiring to trust in Him. The result of this is what we see in the final few verses. You see, this trust in God, this trust leads us to rest. Look at verses 9 through 12. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. 
Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken. Twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. David's faith has been stirred. It's leading to produce some trust in the promises of God. And when he chooses to trust in God, David then finds rest. He proclaims that yet again, man is going to fail him. Man is but a fleeting breath, a delusion. He knows that he's been failed by everything on this earth. He has been let down by anything he could find, and he knows that he's not going to find rest from anything on this earth. Everything will let him down once again. He's very clear that he can't trust in words or in earthly hopes. He just won't set his gaze upon them for rest. What can he do? What can he hope in? How can we find rest in this world if everything will let us down? Where is there rest and peace to be found? Well, David would tell us, he would proclaim to us that God has spoken to him and he has proclaimed this singular truth. Power and steadfast love belongs to God and to God alone. David can now rest Because he knows that God has all that he needs. David's brutal experiences in his life, in his present circumstances, they've led him to this moment where he knows that his only real hope is an encounter with God. His only real hope of rest, of peace, of comfort is if he sees God himself. You see, David has found rest yet again in the midst of difficult moments due to encountering the welcoming embrace of God. Hard times are hard. I I don't care what you're, you're going through. If it's a challenging circumstance, it's hard. We can't simply cherry pick and say, well, that's not so bad. Hard is hard. Ultimately, whatever challenging circumstances we're going through, whatever difficulties we're facing, we're bearing these troubles. We don't wish them upon anyone, yet David would have us view our hard times as a mercy from God that would draw us closer to God when we need Him the most. In the midst of our suffering, we are finding peace and rest and hope from God Himself. The reason we find this rest, this peace, this hope from God is because we have a hope that is eternal, that is not perishing. We have a hope that is anchored with Christ Jesus standing before the throne. We have been redeemed by His blood. We have been called His precious chosen children. We are co-heirs with Christ for all eternity. 
When God looks upon His people, He does not see us in our brokenness and shame. He sees the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus. You see, we can find rest and hope in difficult moments, in challenging situations, in hard times, not because of anything of this earth, but of something from the heavens Himself. We can find rest, hope, and peace through the name of Jesus. If you're here and you're experiencing a hard time, a challenging season, difficult moments, like the rest of us, you're probably looking for rest and hope. I want you to hear this truth that you need a mercy that can only come from God Himself. Everything else is going to let you down. Everything else will fail you. But God Himself will bring hope, rest, and peace to you in the midst of your challenging moments. I would simply invite you today to put your trust in Him, put your faith in Him, and to rest in His steadfast love today. Here in a few moments, I'm going to pray and our worship team is going to come forward to lead us in one final worship song. And this is a moment where we can respond to the grace of God. And I would put before you that everyone here in the sound of my voice, you are going to make a response to God today. You see, for all of us, we will either choose to receive the welcoming embrace of God, seeking forgiveness of our sins, proclaiming to God that He is our Father, and pursuing redemption through Jesus. Or we will reject His free gift of mercy and say that whatever you might have, Lord, I've got it better. I would simply implore you to look upon your heart, to reflect upon your situation in this life, to look upon your journey and simply ask this question. Do you really think that you've got it all together and that you're not in need of mercy from a God who loves and treasures His children? I know for me, my answer is yes, every day I need that mercy more and more, Lord. My hope and prayer is that that would be your cry to the Father today. So if I could, I'd like to give us a moment to reflect upon what the Lord might be doing in our lives. And I'll invite you to pray with me. We'll have a few moments of just silence. And then I'll begin to pray for us. And as I conclude that prayer, our worship team will lead us in one final song to rejoice in the Father's love. But if you would, would you bow your heads and go to the Lord in prayer with me? Father, we come to you today in various situations of desperation, of hardship, of, of difficulty. Lord, but in the midst of that, we recognize that we're not hopeless. We recognize that you're still working and moving in this world. You're still working and moving in the hearts and minds of your people. And so, Lord, we rest in this truth, in this comfort that you are the God of the universe, that you're working all things together for the good of those who believe. 
And that no matter our challenging circumstances, no matter the difficulties we face, no matter the struggles or challenges we're encountering, you are with us. So Lord, we ask in this time, wherever we might be, would you come and meet us? Would you come and work in our hearts and minds? Would you let us be receptive to the truth of the gospel message that we are sinners in need of grace and mercy? And that Jesus himself, this fully God, fully man, this God of the universe came down to his people. He lived the perfect life that we could not. And that he went to the cross, an innocent man, bearing the weight of sin and shame for us. And all we have to do is cry out to you, Lord, that we are in need of this grace, this mercy, and you'll offer it freely to us. So, Lord, we come to you desperate, hungry, tired, in need of mercy. And we ask for you to move and work in our lives. Lord, show us your power now. Let us respond in grace and truth to you, Father. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.